Hello and welcome to the London School of Theology podcast. You are listening to our weekly chapel service. In this episode, you'll be hearing from the Reverend Professor Mark Cartledge. London School of Theology. Forming disciples. Resourcing churches. Impacting society. Mark chapter 15, reading uh, from verse 1 in the NIV. Very early in the morning, the chief priests, with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin, reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and turned him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in in from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross, They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, and he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his hurled insults at him, 
shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbathani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, and put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many of other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we're very grateful for the scriptures. We're so grateful for the story of salvation that you have given to us. And we're in today, Lord, as we prepare, as we come out of Lent and prepare for Easter, Lord, would you help us to focus our hearts and minds on this central event, the cross of Jesus. Refresh our understanding. Help us to appreciate the amazing event that the cross is. 
and rekindle in us a passion for the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, good morning. Welcome to chapel. It's great to be here. Um, Just recently got back from America. I've been visiting uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Never been to Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma before. Uh, It's unlikely I will visit Tulsa, Oklahoma again, but it was good to be there. It was colder than I expected, and the resulting effect is uh, something we call jet lag. So if I'm uh, more incoherent than usual, that is the reason for it. Uh, When I was in the States, um, some of my American friends were asking me a very British question about British culture or about the royal family. Can you imagine what they were asking about? Harry and Meghan. And I basically, I've not really followed Harry and Meghan too closely, so I don't think I could really answer their questions. We have just finished a series on the canon of Scripture. We've had some really good sermons on the canon of Scripture, so thank you to everybody who's preached this term on the canon of Scripture. When I uh, gave my uh, sermon earlier in the term, I talked about the, the whole book, the whole canon, and how the whole story affects his story is our story, and we live out of that story uh, faithfully as disciples of Jesus. But at the centre of the story is the person of Jesus Christ. And at the centre of the story of Jesus is the cross of Christ. There's a very good reason that we have the cross here. It's at the centre of our faith. And so today we are going to the centre, the cross of Christ. And uh, I love the Gospel of Mark. It's one of my favourite Gospels Not just because it's short, (laughs) and you can read it in one sitting, which is a really good to do. How many of you have read the Gospel of Mark in a single sitting? Yeah, maybe that's because of Conrad. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Is it because of Conrad? It could be, right? But I love, you can read it, you know, and then we can have a bit of a debate around the longer ending of Mark, which has some really good Pentecostal things going on. But we'll leave that for the moment today. Mark chapter 15 is where I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on, actually, from verse 16. And I'm going to focus on the mockery of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, and the death of Jesus. Now, just to give it some context, as always, uh, we've had the trial of Jesus in chapter 14. And um, then the Sanhedrin have handed over Jesus to the Romans. Of course, they could not kill Jesus. It was the Romans who killed Jesus. Um, they wanted him dead, and they planned for his death. They, they plotted for his death, but they had to hand him over to uh, Pilate for that. But if you think about what had already happened to Jesus, Jesus had been through an enormous suffering. So in chapter 14, uh, verse 65, we have the, um, the guards of the Sanhedrin have beaten him up already, right? Uh, Verse 65, some began to spit at him, they blindfolded him, they struck him with their fists and said, prophesy, and the guards took him and beat him. That would have been a serious beating. That's beating number one. And then after that, 
we have beating number two, which is not really a beating. It's the flogging in verse 15. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas and handed Jesus over to be flogged. Well, flogging was a very serious thing. There would have been leather whips with metal bits in, and some people did not survive the flogging. He would have been in a really rough state after having been flogged. And then they hand him over to the soldiers in the praetorium, in the barracks, and the whole company were there, the whole company of soldiers. Well, typically that was up to about 600 people. These were the tough men. These were, imagine, you know, really tough soldiers. They were used to fighting their way through cities and doing what they do. And this was their time to have fun. This was pantomime. This was theatre. The rough men of the world were able to have their fun. And so they mocked Jesus as you would not believe. They put a purple robe upon him and they twisted together a crown of thorns, which would have in itself been a really... It doesn't say that the crown of thorns were, were removed, actually. Mark doesn't tell us what happened to the crown of thorns. And they did what they would do to uh, a king or to Caesar, hail Caesar, and they said, hail king. And they would, they would process, they'd put him on a seat, they'd put a purple robe, they gave him a, a scepter, a staff, and they would come and they would mock him by kneeling and, hail, and, and saying, hail king of the Jews. Now, I don't know how many of them did that, but quite a lot would have done it. And they would have hit him at the same time. Now Mark says they, they hit him. So likelihood they would have taken... The, the guy's already been beaten. <laughs> Jesus has already been beaten. He's already been flogged. And now he's sat in front of hundreds of soldiers and they're mocking him as the king of the Jews. And they're shouting at him And they're spitting in his face. They'd taken off his regular clothes and they'd put this purple robe upon him. And at the end of it all, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes back on. Have you ever been mocked for being a Christian? Probably not like this. There is uh, some, uh, there have been some ads that have mocked the crucifixion. Recently on Australian TV, there was a, a TV show where Christ was mocked. I think from time to time we have all received some mockery for confessing the faith of Christ crucified. But here's the kicker. How often have we mocked others in our own lives? And that's the challenge. I think all of us, at some point, have been implicated in the mockery of others. 
Can you imagine how mockery feels? I mean, behind you mock someone, you intend to wound them. It's a kind of psychological torture of sorts. That's what Jesus went through. Having been beaten up, there's this extra layer on top of it. Real malice in the mockery. And behind the malice is contempt. Contempt for what this in their eyes, pathetic figure represents, as if the Jews could ever have a king. Caesar's king. Hail Caesar. This pathetic figure, I mean, is a joke and must be treated with utter contempt. Have you ever treated someone else with utter contempt? There's a challenge there for all of us, isn't there, in our attitude to others. So having been mocked and having been reclothed, Jesus is then led out. Well, he's in a state. He was probably held he could hardly walk, I imagine. He, he was in such a bad state that he could never have carried the crossbeam. It's, it's unlikely the whole cross was, was taken out. It's more likely that the, the cross piece was carried by those going to the place of crucifixion. It wouldn't have been a long journey, perhaps about three or 400 yards from inside the city to Golgotha. But he, he's in such a bad state, he can't. So, as Roman soldiers could do, they could simply pick on anybody. So, someone comes along and they say, you, or you, you can carry my bag, you can do this. And so, poor Simon is in the wrong place. He's just come in from the country, he's been out of town, he's coming back in. And this soldier just picks on him and says, you, you, go on carry the cross piece. Poor Simon. He was in the wrong place. So Simon has to carry the cross piece for Jesus. And as they're on the way, the way to crucifixion, they're being shouted at, they're being abused. Normally, uh, people who were being crucified, very common death, lots of people were crucified, particularly slaves, actually. Romans liked to crucify slaves. Interesting. Very often, the, um, the charge against them, they would wear on a placard around the neck. We don't know if Jesus did that. But the sign, King of the Jews, was certainly put up on the cross. This was the reason for his death. That's what's stated. They get to Golgotha, the place of the skull. This is a place where people were crucified, lots of people were crucified. And there's a couple of other people being crucified at the same time. Well, they're called robbers, thieves, insurrectionists, rebels. And they're there at either side. And Jesus was then stripped because Jewish folk didn't like nakedness in public, as a respect to fiction, that went out the window. 
And Jesus was stripped naked and they cast lots for his, his clothes. His clothes were worth something, so they would cast lots for it. Mark tells us it was nine o'clock in the morning and the mockery begin, begins all over again. This time it starts with those either side of him, the two thieves, insults shouted at him. But also bystanders shouted. These are the folk who not that long ago cried Hosanna in the highest. Remember the triumphal entry? Now it's crucify. Now it's, huh, he said he would tear down the temple and all of that. So we have the thieves on the either side of him shouting at him. We have the bystanders shouting at him. We have the chief priests and the scribes, the Sanhedrin. You healed others. Heal yourself, save yourself. You raised others. There's a taunt and it goes on and on and on. He was offered some um, wine and myrrh, which would have been pain relief, but he refuses every ounce of the pain that was given to him. They say, come down from the cross and then we'll believe cynicism at its height the huge irony in all of this is had Jesus come down from the cross and saved himself he would not have been the saviour of the world he had to stay on the cross he had to endure the pain, the suffering. When I was a student here, I read a book by Jürgen Mollmann called The Crucified God. It was part of a, a class with Tony Lane. And it wasn't an easy book to read, actually. But Jürgen Mollmann in that book talks about the cross as the core of Christian identity. But how often the pain, the dereliction of the cross, and we domesticate it, and we have nice, nice jewellery around it. And I'm not against that. I've bought nice jewellery for family members. But the cross is more like that than nice jewellery. And Mormon's point is, when we try to become relevant to society by removing the scandal of the cross, the pain of the cross, and all of that, we've lost something. There's something about the absolute ordinary. We cannot escape the fact it was a terrible, terrible way to die to take on board the sins of the whole world in this way was a scandal and was foolishness to Greeks we can never get away from that 
So what happens next? Well, at noontime, that's three hours later, dark, there was utter darkness. Can you imagine that? Have you ever been in a situation in daylight when suddenly it becomes pitch dark? Have you ever had that? I've never had that. Can you imagine that? Suddenly you can see everything. Sorry, suddenly, normally you would see everything, then suddenly you can see nothing in front of you. It is as if evil reigns in that space at that time. And within that, there's something of the judgment of God. God is judging the sins of the world. It must have been incredibly scary. Incredibly scary. Normally crucifixion was a slow death, a painful death. Went on for hours. But Jesus dies fairly quickly. He cries out twice. The first cry is the cry of dereliction, so-called. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, Aramaic. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Absolute abandonment. Absolute abandonment. Again, they try to revive him slightly with wine vinegar, but he refuses. They say, oh, let's see if Elijah's going to come, this figure, this eschatological figure that will come at the end of time, but Elijah doesn't come. There is no support for Jesus on the cross, his death. And then the final cry. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. At this point, something remarkable happens. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. There are two curtains, one in front of the Holy of Holies and one in front of the Holy Place. It's likely in Mark that he's referring to that curtain, although in Hebrew is probably the inner curtain. These curtains were massive, huge. No human being could have torn them in two. <laughs> this was a dramatic, divine act. God, God was making a path into his own very presence through this curtain. And Jesus is the one who is taking us there. Jesus is the one who cuts through the barriers to intimacy with God. Jesus is the one who takes us to the place of holiness. Jesus is the one 
He provides the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is referred to as the Son of God. God himself says, this is my Son. The demons say, you are the Son of the Most High. And the questions asked at the trial. Now, we have for the very first time a human person saying... Surely this man was the Son of God. Those of us who are fairly old will remember the old film, Jesus of Nazareth. And the centurion was played by a very famous cowboy called John Wayne. Remember that film? Probably the only time an American is portrayed as saying this in this American act. This is a Gentile making an affirmation. This is the Son of God. It's a reversal of the mockery. It's a reversal of the malice. It's a reversal of the contempt that Jesus had faced. Instead of the cynicism, truth is being declared. Surely, This man is the Son of God. In my last sermon, I said that there are two competing ethical systems. There's one which is live your life, do what you want, be authentic to who you are. And then to me, let him deny himself, herself, pick up their cross and follow me. It's wonderful that we view this event post-Pentecost. The disciples of Jesus were devastated by the death of the Messiah. They did not know that Sunday was coming. They were st- that Sunday came. There's resurrection power. Amen? Amen? We know the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. There's Pentecostal power. Amen? Amen? But you only get to resurrection and Pentecost through the cross. You can't bypass the cross. You have to go through the cross to get to resurrection power. That's why Paul in 2 Corinthians will talk about the weakness and the strength. And he puts the two together because death and resurrection belong together. Power have death and resurrection. And he will say, that as an apostle, the marks of his ministry are both death and resurrection. That the dying of Jesus is present in him, just as the life of Jesus is made manifest in the Corinthian church. And so for us, death and resurrection belong together. If you want resurrection power you will experience a form of crucifixion. 
a form of dying to self and rising with Christ. At the heart of the gospel is death and resurrection. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. As I close, as we think about the passion of Christ, let me ask you about your passion for Christ. Entering into that which he has for you, which may include suffering. It may include pain. But knowing that he is with you in that suffering, in that pain... And at the other side of it is resurrection power. God calls us to experience power through weakness. Why did Jesus not climb down from the cross? Have you ever wondered about that question? He could just have come down. Well, he was fulfilling his father's will. And we read in John's gospel that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. It's love that keeps Jesus there. The the suffering. It is love that holds him there for you and for me. That's amazing, isn't it? For God so loved the world. So as we prepare for Easter, as we think about the passion of Christ, as we think about our own experiences of suffering, of weakness, please know that it is the love of God that goes before you that comes behind you and holds you in that place. They was coming. Let's pray together. In the stillness, I just want to invite you to just name in your heart before the Lord any, any suffering, any things that you carry that are burdens to you. Maybe you have felt abandoned. Maybe you have echoed the cry of dereliction. Why have you forsaken me, O God? Maybe you have been beaten. Maybe you have been mocked. This stillness, I I want to invite you, just in your own imagination, to come to this cross and to take the stuff that you have just considered in your heart and mind And to lay it down. Lay it down. 
Jesus says, come and give it to me. I will take it. I have taken it. Everything that you suffer, everything that you have endured for the name, my name, I have taken it. Give it to me. Don't hold on to it. Let go of the stuff to come and give it to Jesus. Reminded of a character I saw once on the street. She lived on the streets, this lady. And she had so many bags. It's like every time I saw her, she had a new bag she was carrying. She was loaded down with bags of stuff. And I felt I wanted to say to her, just let go of you of these bags. A lot of stuff. I just want to say in the name of Jesus, let go of the stuff. Don't hold on to it. Jesus wants to take it from you. Give it to him. Lord, would you take the things that we carry, the wounds, the hurts, the pain, the disappointment, the disaffection, all the stuff that we carry, Lord, would you help us to lay it at the cross Come, Lord Jesus, by your spirit and take it from us. Take it to the cross for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love us. <laughs> you never stop loving us. Thank you, Lord. doesn't matter how we feel. doesn't matter what we've done. You continue to love us and love us and love us. Thank you for that powerful love that will not let us go. Thank you, Lord, for your love. May we know that love in increasing measure so that we may live out of joy and not out of pain. We give it to you today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the London School of Theology podcast. To find out more about LSD and our courses, please visit our website.